Welcome to Lead Today with me, Kalina. Let's talk leadership. Okay, here we are back at it. And today we're going to explore the Enneagram. If you've ever wondered about personality types, self-discovery, or understanding the depths of human behavior, this is for you. I know there are a lot of different assessments. There's the big five ocean personality model and of course Myers-Briggs. There's so many different assessments out there and I've always been pretty wary myself to be honest. It's kind of nice to be put in a box that makes sense and you understand who you are and your traits. But I never felt like those reports were actionable. I didn't feel like I left with anything that I needed to do. It was sort of like a snapshot of who I am and that was nice to see and it felt validating. But of course it does because you fill in the answers to the assessment and so of course the answers validate what it is you've answered, right? Because you fill in the bubbles stating your preferences and essentially those preferences are then laid out back to you. So it's nice and I think that some of them are scientifically validated and definitely robust but I have been skeptical and so for me to speak to and utilize an assessment with my clients I I was pretty I was pretty critical about which one to use and why um, and, and really did resist it for many years but I do see the utility and particularly with the Enneagram I see utility because there is a set path of levels of development for each type now what does that mean that you are like in a video game and you have to go up the levels and once you get to level 10 you win the game not so much because every day every moment you have a choice right and how you respond to different situations and so it's very possible that one day you're behaving at that level 10 and a few months later your life is really challenging and things are dark and difficult maybe you're not at that level 10 anymore and so it's not levels of development like a game where you can't slip backwards or go back into your old ways so to speak it's sort of like an illuminated path that it'll allow you to kind of check yourself day in day out and say okay if you feel lost you know it's like i feel lost what could I be doing to, to do better? And there are a lot of ways for you to introspect on that, of course. But I like the idea that, hey, here here's who I am when I'm at my best. And that's kind of the level 10 idea of the levels of development of the Enneagram. And here's who I am when I'm succumbing to my vices, my shortcomings. I, I just like how that's laid out. And so if you're working with a coach, if you're working with somebody that's an expert on this or another personality model, I would just very much so encourage you to explore what is my best self or when I'm showing up at my best and what is the opposite. So that you kind of have levels or ideas of when it is you're hitting the mark or not. Otherwise, you get told you're an Enneagram type one and you relate to that, it's a part of your identity, it feels good, but not much might change in your life if you don't well if you don't consciously decide to change things and keep checking in on that change the progress and well if you're doing any good 
because it, again really easy to go get a report look at it and then never look at it again but my my aim with getting into the Enneagram is for you to have really that roadmap so that you can discover more about yourself and then behave in a way that you feel that you're proud of that feels good so okay what what exactly is the Enneagram well it's a personality system it actually dates back centuries but it gained significant popularity in recent years there are a few individuals but Claudio Naranjo um, is one of them he's Chilean Chilean psychologist psychiatrist if I have that correct um, and so he really brought it to the forefront in more recent years but it's a dynamic tool that helps us understand ourselves and others on a deeper level now why deeper level to me I think one it's those levels of development but two it's a really beautiful way to get to know the shadow because it looks at and highlights for you the parts of yourself that might be unconsciously driving you your unconscious desires fears motivations which is so powerful because so much of the time in our lives we're doing things and we're not necessarily consciously thinking about why we're doing them right so the Enneagram consists of nine main personality types and each has its own set of characteristics like I said motivations and fears so I'd love to just take a brief look at each type for you to get a sense of the Enneagram and then what I'll do is throughout this series you know I like series if you've ever watched this show um, so I'll do a more in-depth dive into each Enneagram type over the next nine episodes after this one so if you want to make sure you get all of those please do like and subscribe to the show so that you get all of those updates and of course I always ask you to please reach out and give me feedback I'm doing this show not just to talk into a microphone but for the people that listen to it so please do reach out to me and let me know if what you're wanting more of or what you'd what you'd like to see different so okay one thing so it's not just about the nine types there are also wings and the wings are the types adjacent to your main type so they sort of influence and shape your personality so the wings of let's say a type one would be a type two and a type nine so wings of a type two would be one and three wings of type three would be two and four you get the picture so it's interesting because when I have clients and they fill it out and I see their scores a lot of the time they'll have their core type but one of their wings they'll really heavily rely on more than the other so not always but just what I've seen I find it sort of interesting that um, let's say you're a type three oftentimes a three will rely on a type four or a type two trait kind of mix um, if someone's really close sometimes you can call them a two wing three or a three wing two um, five wing six so um, the wings again they influence and shape your personality so they're sort of like a not subtype but if you think of just an addition to your core so how do you use the Enneagram what's the point well as I said you can use those levels of development to really have that roadmap for growth 
I think it also really helps to navigate challenges. So the way that it brings up those motivations and helps you to kind of get in touch with your shadow self, I think it can really help navigate challenging times in your life because you'll see what you're drawn to. You'll see the coping mechanisms you're drawn to. And hopefully with some help and space, reflection, you can choose to do different. You know, it's not easy when things are tough. And of course, um, I myself, you know, will go into comfortable coping mechanisms for difficult situations. I think when you realize that you're back in that place, it is on you and, and you alone to take responsibility and reach out for help or, you know, make a change and try to do things differently. So I think it can be really useful in cha during challenging times in life. And also, of course, for relationships, if you understand your partner's type, your type, it can help you to understand the dance that you're doing together, you know, how two types interact. If you understand someone's core fears and motivations, it's absolutely really helpful, even if you're in a dating situation, right? To You don't have to be married to have to interact with someone or friendships too. And at work, of course, you know, any relationship in any context, it's wonderful to see, okay, what could be motivating this individual? What is it that they're afraid of? You know, I think a lot of other personality assessments will give you kind of the communication style tips and that's great and if you can apply them that's fantastic for me I think if you can just know because it's hard to remember so many details right like if there are nine types how are you going to remember everything about everyone but I think if you can kind of get a sense of what each type is and how they present you'll be able to identify those types and then you'll know if you just know their core fear and core motivator you're already really really much better off in the relationship because you'll understand where the behavior is coming from. You'll be less offended when they do something that you think is rude or you don't understand because you'll understand their motivation. You'll understand what their core fear is and where they're driving to. And so you can relate to them differently. You don't take things as personally. So that's what I really love with the Enneagram. And of course, you know, I've got an assessment that I developed really in conjunction with an institute that I so I adapted it from from their work and you can take that it's free I'll link it in the in the show notes and there are paid report options of course optional it'll give you your type whether or not you buy a report but if you want further details please feel free to do that in the show notes so as we've said the Enneagram is a self-discovery tool also a guide for understanding others. Let's explore, let's explore the nine types, shall we? So type one, it's called the perfectionist or the reformer. They're really driven by a desire for perfection and a deep sense of responsibility. So they, they really have high standards. You can think of the archetype of a judge. They like to follow the rules. They like excellence and, but they want excellence in the sense of being principled, organized, and diligent, not just to win the award, right? They want to know that they follow the rules and their closet is super organized. Um, however, the shadow side can be potentially that their inner critic can be relentless. Now, obviously, anybody's inner critic can be relentless, so I just want you to kind of understand that nobody is, no one type takes the cake on a particular quality it's sort of like how do you operate in the world most often so the number <laughs> type one does not is not the only type that gets to have a relentless critic uh, but because of this kind of moral judge with the scales 
if you will, they're always sort of calculating, like, am I in the right? Am I morally, you know, do I have a strong sense of duty? Am I doing things right? They have a commitment to making the world better in a more just place. So they're really about fairness again. You can think of someone that really loves rules and order, law and order. So could be a lawyer in your life. Although, of course, this is where this is where it's very important, right? The archetype is a judge. So judge, lawyer kind of person might like that. But there are different drives for why people go into professions, right? So someone could see being a lawyer or a judge as stability. They could see it as a very prestigious career. We'll see. Maybe I'll take that profession and kind of walk through why each type would pick it. And so certainly the perfectionist or the reformer, that type one, would pick law because of the right and wrong those standards those organized standards of excellence and morality so if we go to type two type two is the helper they thrive on connection they have this desire to be needed they're warm they're generous empathetic sometimes though the generosity is is a way to control others so that they're needed um, their challenge really lies in balancing their own needs with the constant urge to assist so they'll forget their own needs to help others. Um, they bring compassion to every interaction and they really navigate the world through acts of kindness and support. Where this can go wrong is, of course, when someone sort of becomes like a martyr, you know. So um, someone that's at the higher level of development as a helper would be wonderfully integrated with their own needs they would take care of themselves and they would be helping others but someone where this has gone astray is sort of making others feel guilty for what they do for them and trying to kind of throw in throw in someone's face what they've done and how they've helped and make them feel guilty and so and they'll also try to keep people dependent on them so that they're needed. And so they won't foster independence potentially of their children or of their partner or people around them, right? They, they'll they want that person to need them and be dependent on them. So you can see that now if somebody is a lawyer, right, in this role, maybe it's that desire to be needed. And so they're a lawyer in, in a not-for-profit or like a government-free law law clinic or something where they're really giving more of themselves they say they don't need a salary right so they're still a lawyer but they're kind of self-sacrificing in order to help those that really need help and so in that they gain a lot because they're very needed and they feel meaning they derive meaning from those relationships of, of helping others and being needed so that's maybe why the helper would be a lawyer. So same profession, see, but the way that the person would navigate that profession, completely different. Type three, the achiever. This one is always fun. This is the one type that really resists being this type. I don't know what it is. Like the, every three that I've ever interacted with will read it and go, are you sure this is right? I don't think this is me. I think I should take it again. This is not, well, I used to be this way or I don't, well, I'm working on, you know, the, the three is hilarious. Um, <laughs> the three is goal-oriented, adaptable, and success-driven. So they're leaders for sure. They navigate the world with a focus on accomplishments. They want recognition and approval. It's all about getting the award, looking good, you know, on the shadow side can be really vain. And then deep down there, there can be, you know, falsehood or, or kind of putting on a show or an act. Um, they really, they project 
competence, right, which would make them an effective leader because people see them as being competent. But deep down, you know, this idea of not knowing what's authentic, really three struggle with not knowing who they really are, what they really like, because they're so adaptable, not knowing how they really feel, feeling, stuffing down their feelings and responding as a situation requires to get to the end result. It's all about getting to the end result, getting what they want out of a situation. So they approach life with ambition. They aim for excellence in everything they do. They often do that. But the cost, the cost is, well, themselves, you know. So that's that's the three. And the lawyer type, if there were three, you know, it would be all about being at the biggest law firm, having the just the most wild cases where they beat, you know, the biggest opponent and they want awards they want lawyer of the year they want to be partner it's all about getting to the top of that ladder that's what it's about for the three as a lawyer (laughs) so you'll you'll know them you'll know them they'll do anything to get what they want of course as a three you can temper that right so knowing that that's your and i think that's why people sort of when they get given a three it's like wait that sounds really bad am i manipulative and a bad person it's like well, no, in a positive way, you're goal-oriented, you're adaptable, you're success, you're successful and driven. I mean, you're a great leader, you are competent and you're excellent. You you strive for excellence in everything you do. That's fantastic. Society definitely rewards this. You're not bad. You're the, the lower levels of development of this type would be, again, when there's falsehood, when there's vanity, when it's fake, when you're faking it just to make it. <laughs> That's that's where the problem is. So for the three, really working on authenticity. And a lot of times the three won't even know where to, what that is, right? Like, how do I really feel? What do I really want? It's very hard for the three to, to know because they're just influenced by, again, what looks good. So that's, that's the work of the three. Okay, type four, the individualist, really driven by this quest for being unique, right? Creative, sensitive, introspective. They navigate the world by seeking depth and meaning in their experiences. They often feel a sense of being different or misunderstood. And so they'll retreat in stressful situations. And it's it's kind of this tortured artist archetype, if you will. You know, they value self-expression and genuine connections. This type of person is not going to change who they are based on the situation. They're going to be dramatic. They're going to be overwhelmed by too much emotion. And they will have to retreat and deal with it very very sensitive and introspective type of personalities so this type while authentic needs to learn how to play a bit with the outer world because they have such a rich inner world with the introspection but how can you possibly be understood if you're retreating right or if you think no one will ever understand you so the four's work is definitely to come out of that shell when they're ready and and build relationships where they can be authentic with the other person and share with the other person because how could if you feel misunderstood but you retreat because you feel misunderstood then how will you ever be understood by your loved one or friend or coworker, whoever it is right so the <laughs> the type four is a lawyer that's funny um they might i mean they if they're introspective and they can definitely be again creative so they might be in a type of law that has to do with media or Um, IP intellectual property like something that allows you to kind of um, help maybe artists or something like that they'll definitely um, 
Yeah, they'll definitely be a lawyer in order to help the other misfits, you know, if you will. I think I think that so they'd be help. They'd be the lawyer that'd be helping artists or representing artists. I think type five is the investigator. So the investigator is really has this thirst for knowledge. They they care about privacy, and so it's like they have this again kind of also. An, introspective inner world that's very analytical so different from the tortured artist type four right that's very dramatic this is like analytical perceptive they navigate the world by observing and understanding so they're the person in the room scanning the room they know what's going on but they haven't said a word um, they will withdraw to conserve their energy and process information and they really value expertise and autonomy and finding comfort in their intellectual pursuits so it could be an you know an academic lifelong learner this lawyer is definitely a law professor so they're a lawyer, but they went to law school and then just kept on schooling. Um, the investigator, of course, you know, there's this analytical and withdrawn component. Their work is to get out into the world and, and have also relationships with others, you know, and, and balance that mix of kind of autonomy and research with the heart and the emotional side because it's really not their core their core model. They're a thinking type. They're centers of intelligence. That's another element of the Enneagram. So there's the heart, the head, and the gut. So somebody that focuses in type, let me make sure I get this right. Type two, three, four is the heart. So feeling, you know, those are the feelers of the Enneagram. Five, six, seven is head. And eight, nine, one, sorry, is gut. Five, six, seven is gut, and eight, nine, one is head. So these people are just really, really thirsting for knowledge and using their instincts to navigate the world based off of all of their understanding. This, again, is the law professor. If you're liking this and want to know your type, please do take the Enneagram quiz linked in the show notes. It's pretty quick and super easy, I think. So take the assessment, get your type, and then you can dive into future episodes about your particular type and get to know more. Okay, we are almost there. Type six, the loyalist. Oh, the loyalist. They seek security and support. There's somebody that it might dedicate their life to a cause, their, their culture, their country of origin, their favorite hobby, their pets. They really are responsible, loyal, um, but they can prepare for potential challenges they're definitely like a prepper that wants to be they're very risk avoidant and um while their loyalty is commendable they may grapple with anxiety and a tendency to anticipate potential problems so they're loyal to the group but they're they're kind of always nervous and that's why they're kind of clinging on to the group for dear life now that's their work is to become self self-affirming self-understanding self just self because they're so they will throw everything into the group identity and the group that they're a part of um but then they really doubt themselves or feel nervous and don't have that sense of self so what we're trying to do with the six for sure is get them to get them to well not just be trustworthy and reliable for the group but trustworthy and reliable for themselves building trust in their own abilities building trust in their ability to lead right they're not they're sort of they'll be that supportive role they might be in leadership but they won't be the star right they'll be the kind of right hand man or woman and they'll they'll be very responsible loyal to that king or queen if you will um 
So with that navigate navigating the world with that cautious approach, always kind of looking to the future, what could go wrong, how could it be? We really want to bring the loyalist to the present moment, and we really want the loyalist to get a sense of self within the group, right? It's not to not be social. They're great at socializing. Again, they're they're welcomed into groups because they're so loyal, trustworthy, and dependable. You know, um, all we want to do is bring that sense of self bring them into the present moment so they're not always kind of catastrophizing the future and they're not losing themselves for the sake of the group so that loyalist lawyer you know i think in that capacity the loyalist would be maybe like a government lawyer or um maybe a diplomat or maybe they've just dedicated themselves to a particular community so they're a lawyer for a particular community um where everybody in the community knows them and uses them and they just, they don't really even know what it is, why they're in law. They've definitely picked law because it's secure. Secure, stable, they know they can make money. That's definitely one reason why they'd pick law. And then the people they serve, it's probably, you know, their community, like all Italians or all, um, you know, divorcees or something. Like they'll, they'll pick their group and they'll stick to those people. Okay, type seven. Type seven is the enthusiast. They avoid pain at all costs. They love adventure. They have a fear of missing out. They're optimistic, spontaneous, versatile. They really have a desire for new experiences and possibilities. So their energy is super infectious, but they really struggle with facing emotional emotions that are difficult. So while the enthusiast is emotional and values freedom and joy, if something's hard emotionally especially they're just going to run away so they can be prone to addiction they can be prone to really going overboard with food with anything they just don't like restrictions they don't like control they don't like rigidity they don't like boundaries at all everything should be free and open um and they don't they really resist being put in a box of any kind and even difficult emotions could be that box so the type seven is a lawyer <laughs> That's probably the lawyer that makes a bunch of money, maybe works on Wall Street and then just flies high at night, you know, really goes all out into substances, partying. It's the it's the fun loving lawyer that uses the the means of the job to, to have fun because they have resources, I would say. And they'd probably be doing like criminal law where they have really adventurous cases it's the thrill of the chase it's an adventure every day they're definitely in court that's that's the seven as a lawyer so what we want from the seven is for them to really face the shadow face the pain you know face difficulty instead of running yeah that's what we want for the enthusiast Okay, type eight, the challenger. The challenger is powerful, assertive, and protective. So they, their kryptonite, they cannot handle vulnerability. These types will be strong at all costs. They want to appear stoic and strong. I see this type more with men. I don't know that I've had just so far. I mean, I don't have thousands of, I don't have thousands of, uh, results for you on this seven compiled but I would say it's kind of that strong and silent type as a man that you would imagine and really will not shed a tear or appear vulnerable vulnerable they navigate the world with a focus on control and independence while their strength is admirable 
they may need to be mindful of the impact of their intensity on others so definitely if they feel wronged they're going to go 10x in the other direction and they're going to make you pay um, the challenger values strength and justice often stepping into leadership roles to ensure fairness so they, they really like to have power it's different from the number one the reformer or the the perfectionist because the number one it's like right and wrong rules the challenger would be in a in a leadership role because they want the power you know and at their worst i mean it can be tyrannical it can be i'm going to tell everyone what to do and, and wield my sword of power and just absolutely take over and that's of course not healthy when they're adapted we want that sense of independence and sense of seeking power to be integrated with whoever it is that they're serving and within their relationship so not using their their power or strength or things that they hold over people not using that power to kind of control others um and that protective mechanism when working with an eight i really want them to explore their their own vulnerability you know which places parts of their life where they feel soft or vulnerable and that's usually tough for an eight so the the lawyer is an eight definitely they're going after they're going after the criminal so if the seven is maybe representing the criminals, the eight is like the the eight is the other side that's going to really lay down the law and want that fairness and get, make people pay for what they've done, you know, and, and really be that hotshot lawyer that has power. So they're going to have a lot of relationships and they're going to maybe make a lot of deals outside of the courtroom and be able to kind of wheel and deal and make those make those judgments outside. Um as that number one sits in the judge seat and is trying to do things by process the the eight is going to really challenge and, and try to focus on controlling the outcome of the case okay last one the peacemaker oh the peacemaker easygoing agreeable seeking harmony almost to a fault right if they if they go they'll lull themselves to a sleep to the point of being a procrastinator and really having no backbone this person might struggle with anger so the core emotion can be anger but because they're the peacemaker they really don't show it um anger is the core emotion of the challenger as well the type eight we were just discussing so Type 9, the peacemaker is different, right? The, the challenger would go full front and attack. The peacemaker is going to try to smooth things over and sort of be a volcano erupting internally. So that's the difference there. They really are agreeable. They navigate the world by avoiding conflict. They want to create a sense of peace, harmony. They're great mediators, but they can, because of that, can really struggle with asserting their own needs. So... The peacemaker's number one value is tranquility, unity. They want, they really are the glue that will hold relationships together because they just want to, hey guys, don't fight, let's all be friends kind of thing. So the peacemaker needs to, of course, learn how to assert their own needs and figure out what they are in order to be able to go for them um, and to get a more healthy relationship going with anger rather than just trying to play it off as everything is cool and fine we really want the peacemaker to learn how to express that in a healthy way and then understand what they need because anger is pointing to some sort of need that's not being met one way or another right or something that's being violated a need or a boundary is being violated so 
the peacemaker yeah as a lawyer they might be actually a mediator so maybe they kind of take a twist and and they mediate for difficult relationships maybe in divorces or um uh between can be corporate i guess but i can i can see the peacemaker doing something more family related and really trying to find harmony within the family unit maybe mediating divorces or difficult situations maybe when people pass that's so I can see the mediator coming, or sorry, the peacemaker coming in and really creating that sense of peace and harmony. I really hope that you enjoyed this episode today. If you did, please do share it with someone that you think would benefit and subscribe so that you can get notifications for the future episodes. And please do take the free quiz because then you can figure out your type and listen in to the next episode about it and really dive deep. Of course, there's so much online, but I would recommend um, you do the free Enneagram linked in the notes and get to know what your type is. So I'll see you in the next one on type one. Take good care. Until then, thanks for being here.